Hey everyone, so this is an episode of Mentor Live. I decided to start mentoring people live on Instagram, uh, mainly because I was getting a lot of requests uh, about career development, self-development, how do I read more books, what books should I be reading, how do I get into medical devices, a variety of topics. And as much as I love doing those, um, there's only so much time in the day. I usually take those calls you know, on my drive to and from work, but I decided to do it this way just because it's uh, scalable, I can amplify it, and more importantly, uh, a lot of people have very similar stories and hopefully it could uh, serve to help others. So you can follow me on Instagram at Omar M. Khatib, Khatib spelled K-H-A-T-E-E-B. I'll leave a link to my Instagram uh, and other channels uh, in the show notes. So enjoy this episode of my mentoring session. ASAP Rocky called Babushka Boy, I think is absolutely amazing. Alright. Ahmed, you there? I think I'm gonna bring you on first. Sound good? Alright, let's see if Ahmed's on. He is. Let's see if we bring him on board. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good, good, good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine. I can hear you fine. So, um, yeah, so, you know, for uh, people are starting to file in little by little. I think more people end up watching this after uh, the live edition. But why don't you give everybody a little background about who you are, where you're from, what you do? Uh, So, uh, my name is Ahmed. Uh, I recently moved to California. Uh, I... I did my undergrad in biomedical engineering, and from there I moved into medical sales. Right now I work with Striker. I recently joined their team. Uh, I've been following you for a while. Love your content. Love your book reviews and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, like it was, I I could like relate to you because you were like in the medical industry and in the medical device industry, and you were obviously like a medical student and. I read your story how you decided like to drop out and just pursue something else because of like depth and stuff like that. So I was really inspired and like I've been following you for a while. Nice man. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate the kind words and everything. Um, so so tell me, what do you what do you do at Striker? Uh, right now I'm in a position in, in an entry level position, uh, working towards sales. Okay. So I work I work in the orthopedic. Uh, like orthopedic division, uh, we basically support. We're customer based. Uh, we support like surgeries, and they're like, and uh, whatever they need. Like we're a team like that helps surgeons and stuff like that with the striker equipment. 
basically. Nice, nice, nice. Very cool. And uh, for you know, I saw some more people join. So for everybody who's joining, I'm going to be taking people uh, live uh, one at a time. So okay, cool, man. So you're in, you just started at Striker. You started at a sounds like an associate position. You're trying to get into sales. So great. So what uh, what kind of question do you have for me? How can I kind of help you out, whether it's self development or career wise? Uh, and Honestly, you can... the the number one question because I see you reading like a book every day or like a week. Like I always like uh, lose motivation when I start like reading. I like I read a book a week, but then sometimes I like stop reading and I just like move on. And then like I come back to it like later on and read another book but like i'm not super consistent with reading right now okay why is that important uh because honestly like i've gained a lot of skills that i would have not gained without reading books and i feel like i get more information and i have a better perspective than other people when like i get into a situation where i have to like explain stuff Got it. Okay, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. So here's what I would say is, yeah, that's that's not uh, an un- uncommon thing, what you just said, which is people start reading books and let's say they lose motivation and they stop. It's similar to like a lot of things in life because it's something that the brain doesn't want to do. It's, it's work, right? You know, your brain doesn't want to spend energy reading. It doesn't want to spend energy um, going to the gym, right? And we have to understand that, that even though consciously, if you think about the neocortex, and actually let me pull a book. Fittingly, so to make this more sense, more you know, makes more sense to you. So, if if so, you're gonna get a little bit of a history and anatomy here. But the reason why I'm going to do this, and I'm going through the trouble of pulling a book, is because that way, you and everyone who's listening, you'll you'll see this once and you'll never forget it. That's the key. So that so number one is when you read something or you take in information, how do you take it in? so that you only see it and have to comprehend it one time and now it's ingrained in you, right? That's that's kind of the key there. So let me pull up a picture of the brain anatomically so you can see. Um, so for those of you who just joined, so the question is, you know, losing losing motivation and staying consistent when it comes to reading books. And the reason why I'm going to address this is that it's, it's an important part of it. It's not just books. This is applicable to everything. So if you understand this one piece of information I'm about to give you, you're going to be able to change a lot of your habits right away. All right, let's see. Where do we have the brain? Ah, here we go. Lateral view, 142. That's what we want to see, nice lateral view of the brain. Okay. Here we go. Ah, beautiful. All right. Actually, we're going to go frontal view. So... Now, if you see this right here, this this is the brain. This is this is coming fit head on, right? So these little folds here, they they evolved over time to give you more surface area to brain. This is the neocortex, right? This is where logic and reason comes into play. When you start going down the brain, in the middle of the brain, you have the midbrain. This is where things uh, are mainly emotional. So you have things like the amygdala. So if you see if you see somebody that you recognize, your mid your um your hippocampus, which is there in the midbrain says, oh, wait, that's, that's our aunt. We know who that is, but your amygdala, which is emotional, says, yeah, but, you know, our aunt's a bitch. We don't like her. But down here, that's the important part you have to understand, which is the brainstem, all right? And this is why you're having trouble with, with the consistency. The brainstem is the lizard brain. It's the primitive brain. It stands for four things, 
Four Fs, remember this, feeding, fighting, fleeing, and fornication. Everything you do in life can be tracked back to one of those four things, period. Acquiring more money, hey, that has to do with feeding, right? That has to do with sustenance. So everything, all your electrical impulses in your brain, in your spinal cord, has to go through that primitive brain, right? So when it comes to reading a book, right, your brain's not going to be motivated to do that because it cannot connect it to one of those four Fs sometimes. But if you have something where you're able to connect it very distinctly, for example, if you have, let's say, a big sales presentation in two or three weeks, so then you start reading a book on presentation and, let's say, sales strategy, your brain is going to make sure you read and, and, and understand all of that because now you've tied it to the feeding part. It has to do with survival because if you screw up that presentation, you're not going to survive. Now, think of it like this. Let me ask you a question. Do you, you watch YouTube channels? You watch TV yeah. How often would you watch TV or use YouTube if there's only one channel? Uh, not a lot. Not a sure. lot, exactly. And yeah. I'll give you a little uh, flip around of my of my room. Look, I have I have books there. I have books on the on the couch right there. I have books on the floor. I have books everywhere. And the reason why is because you can think of books just like channels, right? And you have to fit your appetite based on what you're interested in. Okay, so sometimes I might be interested in learning about psychology, maybe another time about sales, right? And you try to fit it into your day, you know, so you have no matter what, you, you don't get, you know, bored of it. Um, that's number one. And the second thing is don't treat yourself like a master and slave, right? We do that often to ourselves because we think that's the right way to do, which is we beat ourselves up and we say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to sit down for five hours. I'm going to be doing this one thing, right? Your brain will find ways to turn it off and just, you know, not, you know, respond. You wouldn't do that to a regular person. So what you should do is treat yourself like a third person, you know, like you're dealing with a kid or, or a dog. You know, say to yourself, okay, you know, in the morning, we're going to spend 30 minutes doing this one thing, reading this one thing. But at the end of the 30 minutes, for five minutes, we're going to do this interesting thing we like to do, right? Now, if you start looking about it as a system, right now you're, you're looking at it as a goal, and I always talk about this goals over system. With goals, it gives you a bullseye to aim at, right? And it's directionally correct. The problem with goals over systems, or goals specifically, is that it's very black and white, it's fail or succeed, and it limits you to that one thing, right? So if it's, let's say, my goal is to read this one book, what if that book is a piece of shit, right? Now you're stuck reading that book. What if by the end of that yeah. book, it's irrelevant? So what you have to do is come up with a system. Now what systems do, is instead of giving you something to focus on, it gives you something easy to implement every day. So instead of saying, I'm gonna read a book every day or a book every week or whatever, just say every day, I'm gonna to commit to one hour of reading. I'm gonna do 30 minutes in the morning, just I'm gonna read whatever I want, as long as it's paper and I'm gonna read it. And in the evening, I'm gonna read like 30 minutes more, right? And yeah. by doing that, if you, if you look at, you know, I think your average book I'm really bad at math, so I'm gonna mess this up, but your average book is something like two to 300 pages. I think average reading speed is, oh God, like uh, I think 100 and 150 words per minute. There's about 15 or 16,000 words uh, in each book. So in general, you need like a solid nine or 10 hours to, to read a book, which by the way, for every person out there who just did the math and said that doesn't add up, yes, it's probably true, it doesn't add up, but the point is, if you concentrate the amount of time you, you need to do, a, to do a book, you'll get through books a lot faster. And more importantly, this is the key, not all books are created equal. So when you read a fiction book, of course, you're going to read every line. Every word means something. This is written by an artist, right? But when you read a business book, 
think about Pareto's principle. Pareto is an Italian statistician, meaning which means that 20% of what you get is going to give you 80% of the yield, right? It's just like if you look at, you can apply that to everything in life, right? A small percentage gives you the majority. Like small percentage of people in America hold the majority of wealth. A small percentage of YouTubers create the majority of content. So, so in your book, 20% of it is going to give you 80% of the yield. So when you go through, read it like a detective. Read what you need to read. So for example, I mean, this is a random example I, I got today. Um, I don't judge books and the author. I, I don't care. I'm always looking for knowledge. So I'm reading a book that Trump wrote back in 2004 called How to Think Like a Billionaire. So I said, you know, this looks interesting. Let me read it. The first, uh, I think, 50 or 80 pages have to do with real estate. I'm not in real estate. I'm not interested. So I'll look over and skim through those pages, but I'm not going to spend as much time there. Get in those books and get what you need and get the hell out. And that's why you buy books and create a library so that over time, you can go back and look at those books, what you wrote in them, what you highlighted, and revisit them. That's why I'm not a big fan of electronic books. But anyway, it's a long answer. Yeah. But think about what I just told you and apply that to you know, your life when it comes to discipline and everything else. So if you're trying to get in shape, right, the goal is every day, damn it, I'm going to go into the gym. Well, guess what? What happens when a pandemic ha comes around and all the gyms <laughs> close, right? You're screwed. Yeah. You're better off putting in a system where you say every day, I'm going to do a level of, I'm going to do 30 minutes of exercise minimum to the level I feel good. So for me, my systems are so good. I, every morning I've been doing 100 push-ups for the last, I don't know, four or five years, but my system is so strong that some days I'll literally put on my gym clothes. I'll go into the gym, I'll walk in and say, nope, not today, not going to happen. But that's a good day because I did something that fit into my system. Make sense? And over time... You know, you pick up more skills and you pick up better understanding versus just a goal of saying, you know, I'm going to focus on just doing weightlifting, you know? Goals are good. They're, 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 they're valuable, but not as valuable as systems. Make sense? Yeah. Perfect. Uh, I'm going to take an, another person shortly, but I was going to see, do you have any, any, any other questions before I sign off with you? That was great. Thank you so much. Hey, no problem, man. Good seeing you. And yeah, if you have any other questions, just uh, feel free to message me. Thanks for joining. For sure. Have a good day. All right. See you, buddy. Bye. All right. So who else wants to come on? I'm, I'm going to take... Uh, it's more than just, I guess, mentoring on careers. So I'll, I'll take people who, who are interested in really anything, self-development, whatever it is. I'm just... You know, the main reason why I started doing this is because... Uh, I actually got a lot of requests on LinkedIn, people who want me to jump on the phone and mentor them, and I, I love doing that, but there's only so much time in the day, so I'm trying to do it uh, in a scaled way as, as efficiently as possible from now. So let's see. I'm going to scroll through, see if I... Oh, I think I have a request in. I'm still learning how to use this. Oh, uh, David. All right. Wizard of Pause. Let's see if we can get David on. David, you should be coming on. Hey, there you are. How's it going, man? Hey, Mark. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. Good to see you. Good to see you. You're looking good. So, yep, uh, for for everyone else, just uh, give us a quick bio. Give you know, tell us who you are, what you do, where you located. Don't Absolutely. don't give too much you know details on where you're located though. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. So, hello everyone. My name is David Poswatz. I am a master's of science and biotechnology student at Georgetown University, so I'm in D.C. currently. 
Um, although we've transitioned to virtual classes, I'm sticking it out here. Um, I'm originally from Michigan, so could have the option to go back home there. Um, I'm also working with a cancer diagnostic startup at the moment, so very early stage, doing a lot of business development type stuff. Uh, exciting to be kind of on the on the ground floor, having a hand in a lot of different realms um, of you know, the incidence of uh, and the growth of this country or of this company, not this country, maybe one day this country. Um, and I am on track to begin medical school in the Tufts MD MBA program in the fall. Nice. So I'll get both of those uh, degrees in Boston, um, ultimately, where I'll be in the fall. Yeah. That's fantastic. Hey, man, first of all, uh, congratulations. I mean, look, getting into medical school is not easy. And getting into an, you know, a top medical school is even more difficult. And to get in an MD, MBA, I mean, that's really fantastic. You should be proud of yourself because that's, that's not easy to do at all. I, I really appreciate that. I appreciate that. And to anyone else out there who is in the midst of or considering or having gone through the application process, I feel you. It's difficult. I'm sure, as you know, Omar, um, it, it definitely tests your character and builds your character. Yeah, and and your wallet too, man. I mean, I swear, <laughs> like it's it is it is incredibly difficult to get in. But geez, I mean, you know, like it used to mean something uh, back in the day when you got when you got a secondary application from like Harvard or Hopkins. But no one gives a shit these days because those secondary applications cost like one twenty each. So I mean, it's literally like. You can you cannot ha- enroll in class, and these universities are still going to make money, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, just me personally, I think by uh, everyone being forced to go online, a lot of people are going to realize how much they prefer being online, and then saying, you know what? Why the hell am I paying all this money to go to the school? Like, you know. So I think mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's the biggest thing. So I I do have some specific advice that comes to mind for you f- for when you start medical school. But before I get into that. Um, I'll leave, leave that for a second half. Let me go straight to you and see, do you have any specific question that I can, I can answer and help you out with? Absolutely. So my, I have two questions and my first one might lend itself well to whatever commentary, whatever advice you have for medical school. And so that first one is, uh, being someone like yourself who has been through it. Um, I, I don't recall exactly which, at which point, um, you decided to, you know, divert and take a different route. Um, but for me, as someone approaching it, and as someone who ultimately wants to have a diverse career path um, in biotech, you know, perhaps continuing some of the stuff I'm doing with the startup, uh, going into entrepreneurship in biotech in the future, using my uh, experience in practice in the clinic, um, and the MD MBA degree to kind of create this diversified career um, that opens up some more options. Um, I, I just, I was wondering about kind of what your experience was in medical school, uh, what led you to divert your path, um, what was some of that self-dialogue and kind of what you would have done differently, um, and, and any other commentary or advice that you might have regarding that and regarding, uh, or, or as it pertains to me uh, upcoming in my uh, new journey here. Yeah, yeah, great question. So the you know just to summarize for those who just joined, you know, so the question is um, is is what what what's what's the advice I can give for somebody starting medical school? What are the, what's the dialogue I had with myself when I decided to leave? So great question, um, a very complicated one, but I'll try my best to sort of summarize. 
Um, you know, so I think the biggest thing, and I always recommend uh, recommend people to 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 explore this. And actually, before I tell you that, let me give you a book recommendation. Hold on. Uh, so I think in I think the most important thing that you have to uh, keep in mind is is what 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 your internal dialogue is going by, right? And that that I like to call is it's it's intuition. For animals, we see animals. You know, they do things out of the blue, and we call it instinct. When a person does something out of the blue or we know something, we, we think it's just luck. But it's actually our intuition. The book that I would recommend if everyone wants to take a quick, quick screenshot of this, it's called Living in the Light by Shakti Guan. And it looks like a hippie book, um, and that's what I thought originally. But this is probably the most life-changing book that I've read. And it talks to you about using your intuition, Right. And what intuition is, as opposed to ego, your ego is probably what was used as a tool to get you into medical school. You wanted to outwork people. You wanted to be the best. You, you know, you're aggressive about it. Ego is the thing that gives you details. It's the thing that says, hey, we need a higher score. We need to do better. You know, it's the thing that doubles down on things. But when you screw up, it's the first thing to turn on you and say, you know what? You're never good enough. You fucked up, et cetera, et cetera. Your intuition is very wise. It's very deep. Um, it'll never give you details. You'll meet somebody and shake their hand and your intuition will just say, don't trust that person. And your ego will come out and say, wait, what's, you know, I don't even know this person and what's wrong with me, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, after a few weeks or months, you realize the person you met is just, you know, a, a piece of crap person, somebody you should not trust, right? Um, and so I guess in medical school, my ego got me in. I was so focused on being a surgeon. I really wanted to go to medical school. I put so much energy and focus. I literally made it happen like out of magic. You know, I, I, my MCAT score was not that great. I had a great GPA, great background, everything. But my MCAT score was not good. But I was able to get an interview. I remember this. It was the, the mid-November. Mid I got an interview, and I told myself, I'm going to get it pre-accepted to the school, period. And I focused on that, and I went in with a lot of confidence. I visualized that. I didn't see anything else going any other way aside from me getting an acceptance later. And I remember doing so well in the interview that the two days later, on November 15th or 16th, when they did pre-acceptance, I got pre-accepted, even though I had the lowest MCAT going into that interview class. It was unbelievable. Now, that was my ego getting me in. But when I was in there, I remember a month or two, and my intuition just, it felt like, it was kind of like, this is not going to last. I remember how scary that felt because I was like, what the hell? I spent my all these years and energy to get in and I got in. I was pre-accepted. I got a scholarship. And I was like, why am I, why am I thinking like that? And rather than exploring that, I just buried it. My ego buried it like, no, 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 no. You know, we just need to study. We need to, you know, like we're here. And I went on for that for two, three years, um, burying it with my ego. And finally, you know, you're you can only pretend to be somebody for so long before it starts to wear on your character. Mm -hmm. And so I remember uh, my final year, uh, I, I left right before uh, step one exams. Um, you know, I spent time talking to some people. I talked to some residents and a lot of, a lot of people really opened up and said, yeah, you know, I, 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 I like being a doctor, but there's a time that I wanted to leave and, you know, I, I can't afford to leave now. You know, I'm in debt. I can't leave. And so there's a lot of people who are like that. And then I kind of reflected on what's important to me. And I thought about what, why, do I want to, why do I want to be a surgeon? And when it boiled down to it, it was a very difficult conversation. 
you know, I wanted to be a surgeon because I wanted to be a leader. You know, I wanted to do something prestigious. Of course, that paid me good money. Um, but I wanted to be like on the board of a hospital. I wanted to run a business and everything. And I realized I'm not going to be able to do those things for many years, right? Medicine is not about how talented you are. It's about hierarchy, about tenureship, about uh, timelines, you know? And mm -hmm. so I finally talked to my father, who's a surgeon. And I, you know, and at the time, you know, I was so down and depressed. It's not like I was doing that great in school either at that point. And my dad, I'll never forget, as a surgeon, looked at me and said, you know, it's not going to get any easier. And if you decide to leave, I, I support you 100%. And that meant the world to me. Had he told me anything else, I would have, you know, my ego would have jumped forward. Mm -hmm. And so I remember leaving and I remember how scary it was. I remember how confused I was. It was I went through an identity crisis because I didn't know who I was anymore. But I remember how good I felt. I remember how it was like a big weight lifted off my shoulder. Yeah. So that being said, what I would tell you is this, is um, uh, being, being, getting a, a MD is a great, great thing. Um, you know, it definitely opens a lot of doors for you. You have to really want to do it. And if you can see yourself, you know, spending time treating patients, doing all these things, maybe get involved in technology and stuff, you love medicine, then yeah, do it. Absolutely. But if you can really see yourself doing other things, I, I, I would say don't go to medical school. And when I say really seeing yourself doing other things, if you see medical school as a path for you to do that other thing, you should not go to medical school. Because it, it, at the end of the day, it should, it should, it should be, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a doctor. I want to be a physician. And, you know, you don't even have to have reasons. It's just, it has to, it's a feeling, right? Yep. That's, that's what I would tell you. Now, for you, you did something very smart, uh, which is you're getting an MBA. I, now, I do not recommend uh, people, especially who are young, to just go and get an MBA for the hell of it because it's an expensive degree. And if you don't have business experience, it's, it's pretty much worthless, except, mm. except if you're doing another graduate degree, like you're getting like an MD, it is a fantastic way to get your head out of the world of medicine and start interacting with business. Plus, the, one of the big reasons why you get an MBA is actually not to really learn anything, it's really to expand your network, right? So, yeah. so going to a good business school is important. So that's you're you're already doing that. You're gonna be able to network with other people. And so when you finish your MD, let's just say hypothetically, um, you decide not to pursue it. Let's say you decide to go into the business of medicine. That's fine. You've made those net, those contacts and everything. Um, but it'll expand your uh, your view. And there's a um, there's a, a fantastic surgeon. He's a good friend of mine, and he's only a couple years older than me. His name's Osama. Uh, he is a neurosurgery resident at Columbia, but he also started his own startup while in school, and they gave him they gave him a a year off just to uh, to pursue it. And it's it's an augmented oh. reality company. So hit me up on LinkedIn and just shoot me a message or shoot me a message on Instagram. I, I'll get you connected, and you can kind of learn from him. But that's what I would say. And the other thing I would tell you is in medical school, one is uh, from day one. Um, have you bought in the f first aid? Have I what? Sorry. Uh, first aid, the USMLE Step One First Aid. Buy yeah, that. No. Buy that book because that's that is the the main book that everyone uses to study for Step One. I think it's still the same way, but that's where they distill all the different sections into mnemonics and cliff notes and stuff. You buy that from today, and you're going to use that and annotate in it 
constantly. So as you're going through your units, you'll study from that book deeply and start memorizing things and, and really getting, getting it down. And the other thing I would tell you is that while you're in medical school, be very open-minded. Listen to your intuition because your, your mind might be saying, I'm making this up, I really want to be a surgeon. But deep down inside, that may not be it. And you'll know what you should go into purely based on what your personality fits and where you feel culturally the same as the other people you're dealing with. So friends of mine who started out saying, hell yeah, I'm going to be an orthopedic surgeon, some of them ended up being internists. Some of them ended up, actually one of them even went into psychiatry, right? Yeah. So that's the thing I, w- I, would, I would tell you. And, um, you know, uh, you start in the fall, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, so M- MBA starts actually in June, and then MD starts in late July. Nice. Yeah, so what I would say is with the MBA, um, getting getting connection with those people, use it to sort of expand your horizons and more importantly, get exposure, right? And, you know, and what I would tell you is that whether it's the M, you know, well, the MBA is not going to be that hard. You'll, you'll be fine with that. But for some reason, anytime with the MD, if for, for whatever reason, it's not, it's not working out for you, talk to some people you'll you need to listen to yourself but you're you're really young right now so talk to some people um and spend time really reflecting on it and at the end of the day i always tell people and for very difficult decisions by the way you know decisions like stay with my spouse leave my spouse leave my job stay my job like big decisions i tell people write option one one on one card option two on another one literally put them on a desk spend time looking at one and just pay attention to how you feel. Not pros and cons, just look at it, think about how you feel, and same with the other one, right? Because I'll tell you, the one thing that uh, matters in this world is not necessarily your education or your experience or any of these things. What matters is that do you have the internal confidence to figure out a way? At the end of the day, I'm, I mean, I was just reading a book on billionaires earlier uh, this week. The one thing that they found, uh, a psychologist uh, did a study, they found with all billionaires is that as crazy as they sound, they are focused and they find a way. So that's the most important thing is building up your self-confidence. And you're going to deal with people, especially in medical school, uh, who are going to try and knock your self-confidence. They're going to try and tell you what to do and what to think. And that's just part of the culture of medicine. But you have to... um, diplomat and play along with those kind of things but internally play by your own rules and game does that make sense mm-hmm. yep absolutely perfect well, uh, i appreciate that no Very absolutely answer and you know i appreciate you opening up a little bit about your experiences as well but yeah a lot of heavy heavy decisions and um you know heavy trajectory going forward absolutely and look i'll tell you the the best thing is that you got into a great school and doing an MB, md mba i think is a great idea one thing i would tell you right now and in a few years no matter what you you're going to be doing you will call me like many people i've told to do this and you'll say omar thank you um are you on linkedin yet yep okay um hit me up on linkedin and more importantly go to my profile check out how i designed it and and Pay very close attention to everything I do, my activity, my posts, and I would recommend you start doing that from now. Start, number one, connecting with other people in the industry, so other physicians, residents, people in the medical device industry. Mm-hmm. Number two, start engaging with their content, meaning liking their posts, leaving a thoughtful comment, and number three, start 
sharing some posts of your own, maybe post some things, pictures of you in, in school, maybe post articles, start making your name known because the most powerful thing you can do, whether you're in medicine or anything else, is not to lean on the brands that you're affiliated with. Like I went to Stanford, I worked at Google and everything. The strongest thing you can do is to look at your name and say, what do I got to do to make this name of mine mean something, right? Mm -hmm. So when someone reads my name, that that's the thing that they're most interested in. Not that I worked at this place or went to this school. And I spent the last few years mainly because I had a chip on my shoulder because when I left med school, I had nothing to go by. Um, I had to do that and it's it served me well because then at the end of the day, all that ownership, you you own it. You own that brand power. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the things I'm grateful for the program I'm currently in is that they've really developed and cultivated that emphasis on you know developing your your kind of brand on LinkedIn. And um, interesting, you note that I'm currently writing, drafting what will be my first article on LinkedIn. Oh, great! Kind of on the topic of finding hope amidst all that's going on and this kind of crisis. And nice, turbulent. nice. Um, that's so, fantastic. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully yeah. I just not well, tomorrow morning. Look, when you publish it, shoot shoot it to me, shoot it to me and I'll I'll be sure to engage and comment on it. And the other thing I would tell you to do is uh, as someone who's uh, gonna who's gonna be a physician from now, uh, open up a Twitter account. Med Med Twitter is unbelievable. I've learned more on Med Twitter than some of my uh, medical school uh, classes. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. and and think about like this, you know, because you're gonna be doing the same thing again in a few years when you apply to residency. You, through LinkedIn and Twitter, I've gotten direct access to the most powerful people in medicine, chairs of the largest academic institutions, and they're literally a phone call away from me at this point. So yeah, that's the amazing thing about this digital age. Everyone's in touch. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks for jumping on and sharing your story, and hope the advice was helpful. And if you have any other questions, man, just shoot me a message, and I think I'm going to be doing this or trying to do this every Sunday. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I do have one more. Yeah, yeah, one. yeah. Go for it. Go for if, it. If you don't mind. Um, yeah. And so th this is actually kind of more so because people like me, young people, young professionals and students have these awesome mentors, have people like you devoting their time. Um, oftentimes I feel, and I'm sure other people feel like there's an imbalance of inputs and outputs. And at least personally, I'm, I'm looking for opportunities to where I can give. You know, I, I think there's some mentoring that I can do myself. And to anyone who's listening, you know, as I mentioned, I've been through the application experience of medical school, and the recency of that, I think, would lend itself well for me to, you know, open up my experiences to anyone who's going through that process or, or thinking about it. Um, but I'm kind of wondering, how can I give back to people like you, to mentors, or proactively give and provide value to people who have more experience, who otherwise, you know, seemingly have nothing to gain from someone like me. That's a great question. That's a great question. And and here's one thing I would I, I'm gonna just uh, correct you on. Uh, you shouldn't say that uh, that there's not much to gain from you. That there absolutely is. I'm gaining something right now, personally uh, and and intellectually, by engaging with you. Right. So there's always so never think that because of your age or experience, you don't have anything to gain or to give. That's number one. The second thing, uh, one idea I would tell you is if you really, uh, if you really do want to give back, I would recommend uh, after your your first article, really as quickly as possible, write a, a guide 
to advice on uh, getting into medical school, publish it on LinkedIn. Um, that I would definitely recommend do that. Just something a simple title is like you know how to get it, how I got into medical school. Make it SEO rich. Um, definitely that learning about marketing SEOs, no matter what you do, is going to be helpful. But in terms of giving back, um, I think the most important thing is this: is that when you get mentors, number one. Um, uh, in medicine, medicine's got a great culture of getting getting you mentorship, right? And I really love that. It's not as common in the business world, right? What I would say is, number one, don't have one mentor. I mean, every everybody should be a mentor. I mean, right now on my wall, I have I have you know all these dead mentors. Some of them not dead, but you know, great great teachers of the past, ancient you know uh, uh, knowledge behind me. Um, so I look to mentors in books. Uh, I look to mentorship uh, from students uh, and others. So always look for mentors everywhere. And let's just say you do have um, someone who, who takes you under their wing and grooms you. The best way you can pay back a mentor is take the advice they give you to heart and put it into, ac- into action. I, I can tell you personally, um, the, the, most, uh, the happiest that I, I, I become as a mentor is when I see someone who literally took the advice I gave them and they immediately put into action. Then I go out of out of my way uh, to to help them, you know, and continue mentoring them because I know I said this person is a person of action. They don't just let it go one ear out the other, right? So I think putting it putting it into action and then serving as an example of their advice. The, that's what every mentor. That's why people they write books. They want to see their ideas come to life through other people. And I think uh, along with that, a lot of mentors will say they don't need this, but you should always do it. Um, go out of your way to help them. You know, you can ask them directly, how can I help you? And always, just always follow up and ask. They'll, they'll probably never take you up on it, but always ask. And you know, do things that they wouldn't expect. So perfect example is uh, my late mentor, Chris Sells. He was the world's greatest uh, medical device uh, sales executive. He was an absolute legend. He wasn't he the guy's like not he wasn't from this world even but he passed away last summer and he gave he helped so many people and i think the sad thing uh he, he i would recommend uh his name's christopher sells s-e-l-l-s you can go to his um uh profile on linkedin still read his articles go to my profile you've seen an article and in, an in interview i did with him okay but the saddest thing was he helped so many people, and I don't think anyone thought that he needed help. And so it turned out that on his LinkedIn, he gave all these recommendations everything, but nobody except me, I was the only person who actually gave him a recommendation. It's not because he asked me. It's because I, I wrote it for him, and I said, hey, Sells, I really want other people to know um, how much you impacted my life as a professional, as a person, and I want it down in writing how 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 you help me. And so he's like, yeah, absolutely. And you know, leaders, no matter how senior they get, they need recommendations from people to say like, hey, these are the people that I've served and led, right? Absolutely. So that's that's how. So to summarize, um, take their advice to heart and act on it. And the second thing is try and try and help them out. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give one little uh, amendment to that with a grain of salt is that. As you get older, you will get better about deciding which advice you're going to take and which one you're not. And that, mm-hmm. that again, goes back to intuition. And I, I really recommend living in the light. Buy this book. Read it. It will change your life if you let it. So, Awesome. 
Great. All right. Well, thanks, thanks so much, Omar. I really appreciate the time and appreciate you doing this for everyone, for people like me. And Absolutely, look forward man. To keeping in touch. Yeah, please. Please stay in touch, and I'm looking forward to reading your article, man. Awesome. All right. All right have a good one. See you, buddy. Uh, great story. So I'm still taking some callers. Uh, let's see if there's anybody. If you if you're still on and you want to jump on a call, uh, just give me a wave, or I might even just try calling people randomly. So, all right, let's see. Yeah. So I think you know uh, that that was you know David did a really uh, really nice job uh, sharing his experience. You know, and I think that's the most important thing is that. You know, there has to be a balance. Uh, you know, you, you should always, especially when you're younger, uh, look for mentorship, gain the advice that you need. Um, but as you get older, you start to listen more to your intuition. I think strengthening your intuition early on is what's most important because if you look at the most successful people in the world, I mean, forget about business people. Look at look at artists, look at athletes, people who were really bought into their vision, you know, um, Think about you know Conor McGregor, the the UFC champion, or uh, Kendrick Lamar, you know the rapper. You know these people at a very early age, they knew what they wanted to do, and they just put all their heart and soul and energy into it, and they was it was unwavering, right? No matter um, no matter what, and they were willing to sacrifice whether it was financially sacrificed. I know Conor McGregor was literally on unemployment and food stamps and I think living out of a out of a small little uh one room one bedroom with his wife um you know people they suffer they suffer for their dreams they suffer for the things that they want um but nothing in this life comes easy you know things feel like they come easy because you are disciplined um and you have the right vision but you know there's a saying there's no there's no money in easy things right so I think the sooner you start learning to hone your intuition uh, learning how to listen to yourself, you'll the world will start to open up uh, to you. And, and the one thing I, I tell people, um, a lot of people I mentor is that they'll reach out to me often for advice. Should I do this? Should I do that? And as I as they develop, I try and push them and say, you know, what do you think you should do? Because at the end of the day, what I don't want to be, I don't want to be uh, like an all knowing person. I'm not all knowing. Uh, you know, the the I think one of the reasons why. Um, I, I've been able to advance in, in various areas of life is that I wake up every day and I look myself in the mirror and tell myself that I'm, I'm, a, I'm an absolute fucking moron. I don't know what I don't know. And because of that, I have this very strong curiosity to learn, to listen to people, um, and balance that out by also listening to myself. Uh, so learning how to, to hone your intuition, develop your confidence, you know, so that way you don't have to ask anybody. You just have to ask yourself, you know, your intuition, it's a very deep, ancient uh, thing that's within you. And for most people, especially here in the Western world, um, it's uh, very underdeveloped. You know, if you think about if you never used your arm ever for years and years on end, your your arm will be uh, just withering, skin on bones, no muscle. You won't be able to pick up a pencil. And so a lot of our intuitions are like that. So in order to strengthen the intuition... We have to start using it for small things. You know, someone calls you and asks you to go out to a party, just listen to yourself. And if, if you don't feel like it, you just say, no, I'm not interested. Just like that. Not, no, I have something to do. No, blah, blah, blah. Just, you know, no, thank you. I'm just not, not interested. I'm, uh, you know, there's something else I would like to do that day. Simple as that. 
you know, go to a grocery store, go to a bookstore. You don't, you don't know what to buy. Just use your intuition. Just try and feel it out. It sounds kind of uh, silly, but this is a way you can start practicing and experimenting with it. You know, and when you start experimenting and, and exercising and flexing your intuition with small things, the days that big decisions come up, whether or not you should leave your job, whether or not you should continue dating the person you're dating, uh, perhaps, you know, uh, whether you should help or not help a family member, anything else like that. Um, those are the days you start to use your intuition and you use it to guide you, right? But no matter what, the thing with intuition is that it opposes it is your ego, and your ego intuition are often, they get intertwined. And it's very difficult. The more variables involved, the more, um, the, the larger the payoff, you know, it becomes very hard to tie the, uh, tie, tie, uh, pull away your intuition from your ego, right? Um, some people, uh, let's say you're, you're looking to get a job and there's this job at this great company you go and interview at, you're going to get paid a lot of money. It's a very famous company but you just didn't get the right feeling there. It just doesn't sit right with you. The more the, more the money, the, the fancier the job, all these things, all these things will, will serve to distract you. You have to learn to start pulling those things out. And, and the more you start to understand your ego, you'll, you'll immediately realize what's your intuition and what's your ego. For, you know, for me, there, you know, there are things that play into my ego right away. I'm not going to share them because it's not important. Um, but things that... Uh, would play into your ego, things that get you really excited and, and really pumped up, you know, pay close attention to yourself. You know, the one thing, reason why I study all these books, especially on psychology, is that I'm using it as a practice to study myself. I'm trying to understand myself because the moment you start to understand deeply why you are the way you are, why perhaps you got angry about something, what got you excited, you know, that's something, if there's something I can... Uh, tell you all to do pay very close attention to the things that get you excited right because those things if in the if you get put in the wrong position can be used against you to manipulate you you get really excited about money someone very easily they'll they might be able to pick that up and they can say oh you know you should you know we have this thing you're gonna make a lot of money right so when those things whether the other person knows you that well or not when certain things get you really excited they start hitting your ego you need to put it on red alert. You should get very hyper aware and say, uh-oh, this is, this is something that plays into my ego. And this is going to make me make a bad decision if I don't pay attention to what I'm doing. So, anyways. So, that looks, well, we're about top of the hour. So, I think, uh, I think we're going to call it there. Thank you all for joining once again. Um, I'm going to do this every, every Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, I, I think I'm going to do this for the rest of the year. I'm going to make a commitment to make to do this, to do this for the rest of the year. So Sunday, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, thank you all for joining. Um, if you have any other questions, just shoot me you know shoot me a message on Instagram or follow me on LinkedIn uh, at Omar M Khatib. And uh, as always, just be safe out there. Take care of yourself. You know, with the coronavirus and and everything that's going on. Here's what I would say about that. Actually, I'm going to take a moment to address that. It is a very serious thing. It is very serious. Um, the people who say, oh, this is just like the flu, those people are idiots and they're very dangerous, so you should not pay attention to those people. And the people who um, are saying that it's like a pandemic and you should be you know, going crazy, those people, you should not deal with those people either. The happy medium is this is a serious thing, so wash your hands, stay indoors, 
Um, you know, but also this, look, I'm living the best life I've ever lived. I'm eating really healthy. I'm exercising more. I'm getting plenty of sunshine, taking some vitamin D, washing my hands more, making sure I get plenty of sleep, meditating, keeping my stress level low, making sure I'm happy. I'm not watching BS videos that make me sad or anything else like that. You know, I'm making sure that I, I, I do all those things. All right, so the, whoever just said the Corona is fake, that's, that's stupid. That's just stupid. You're, you're, you're doing a terrible, terrible injustice to everybody. It's, it's definitely not fake. It's definitely not fake. And you're putting people at risk just with that, that type of ideology. So definitely not fake. And again, my thing is there's no reason to panic hysterically. At the same time, you don't just say, oh, you know, no big deal. You have to play the happy medium, which is, hey, this is a serious thing. All right, I'm going to treat it seriously, but I'm not going to let it uh, destroy the way I decide to live my life and everything, right? You just have to, you know, it's a short period, right? And here's my prediction. Here's my prediction. And I, I wrote this two weeks ago on LinkedIn and I put it on Instagram. I'm going to say it again. If you thought it was impressive how much the stock market crashed, wait till you see it go back up. We're not dissolving from this. We are literally evolving. This, the one thing that Corona is ma making everyone do, not especially here in the U.S., is evolve. We're evolving our business practices, our health practices, all these different things. So never, ever bet against America. That's the one thing I would say. And definitely, don't ever bet against the human race because if there's one thing that we're really good at as humans, we're really good at outlasting and killing other things. So give it a matter of time because for the first time in history, and you can see this on Twitter, the smartest people in the world are all literally focused on this one issue and they're sharing information and communicating live. You can go on Twitter and watch it. It's unbelievable. Um, so anyways, I'm going to take a second and see uh, if anybody else wants to join. Otherwise, I'm going to probably call it there. All right. I think we're done for the night. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a great evening. Talk to you soon. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode of The Mind Loom. For questions that you'd like to submit, please email mindloomboom at gmail.com. That's mindloomboom at gmail.com.